1: Is it possible that I was wrong about C.J. Stroud? Is it possible that the entire NFL was wrong about C.J. Stroud? We're, I don't know, almost halfway in the NFL season, and i got to talk about some rookie quarterback. C.J. Stroud wasn't supposed to be smart enough, according to the test. I didn't like his eyes. What a stupid I am. Don't at me starts right now. All right, let me see if I understand this. NFL and media, we blasted C.J. Stroud. They blasted. I'll tell you why I blasted here in a minute. They blasted C.J. Stroud. Why? Well, because he got 18% on the 52 cognition test. And they said it did not bode well for his transition into the NFL. Fast forward, and C.J. Stroud, ladies and gentlemen, is playing at a really high level. Let me give you the numbers. 1,461 yards already. Has not thrown a pick yet. Seven touchdowns so far. And C.J. Stroud looks to be, looks to me, anyway, to be the savior. He is 14th in the league in that ESPN QBR thing that they do by comparison, and I'll get into this. Bryce Young is last, 32nd. It's only 32 teams. Maybe there's a rookie in there. Maybe there's an extra quarterback in there. But the number one pick last, the number 14 pick or number two pick is 14th. And his team's pretty good. Like, his team is surprising. Here's a deal. And I fell victim to this, too. When I watched C.J. Stroud, I saw him play okay. The one thing I did say, though, is, boy, in the college football playoff, when you really needed him last year, was he good? I mean, was he really, really good? Like, holy cow, this guy has to be the number one pick in the draft. Good. But I didn't like his eyes. He had soft eyes. And as a coach, you look at those things. I've told you before, sometimes in a huddle, you look and you're like, all right, I'm not letting him shoot. Nah. He ain't ready. You take the last shot. Scottie Pippen, Tony Kukoc famously. Pippen sat out. Kukoc drilled the game winner. That kind of stuff. But I didn't like his eyes. But maybe I'm wrong. Now it's early. And he's playing for a team that, quite frankly, is one of those we got nothing to lose. There's not high pressure. Compare that with Jordan Love. See, Jordan Love is in a situation with the Green Bay Packers where, man, he's got all the heat. He got all the heat. He's got all the heat. There's natural heat that comes with the number one draft pick. There is. Bryce Young is feeling that heat, and Bryce Young is playing for a moron who's a Mensa. How do you be a Mensa, which is the smartest academic group in the world, and you're a moron? Well, I don't know the answer to that. I just know it when I see it, and I see Frank Reich. Frank Reich as a football coach, moron. Frank Reich as a dude, I'm sure, is Mensa. Bryce Young is a victim of that, but back to C.J. Stroud. He's playing carefree. Jordan Love has to replace what? He's got to replace Favre. He's got to replace Rodgers. He's in a city that craves football. He's in a city where you have to win a small town, and he is in the spotlight because of who he replaced. It's a lineage thing with Jordan Love. He has to be the next guy. C.J. Stroud, he can just come out there. He's not the number one pick. So the pressure of being the number one pick or bust isn't on him. He's a number two pick and that's a big deal. Don't get me wrong. The number two pick is spectacular. It's great. It's filthy rich. It is a hell of an achievement, but it's not number one. So he can go out there and he can sling the caca and next thing you know, boom, 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 boom. We're sitting here talking about screw these tests, screw these 18% tests. I mean, look, anybody with half a brain can figure out how to manage those tests. If you want to screw around with those tests, you screw around with those tests. If you want to sound like a Mensa, you sound like a Mensa. Anybody can do that. I mean, it ain't hard. And don't tell me, well, you don't know what those tests are. I've seen them, and you can screw around with them. But anyway, long story short, the dude be balling. I mean, big balling. Let's take a look, then, at the rookie quarterbacks. Eliminate Will Levis. He hasn't played. Do you put Brock Purdy in there with his 70% completion ratio, only 10 games in, you can make the argument that he is a de facto rookie because of only 10 games. I mean, let's be honest. I'm just saying. Here it is. Let's go back to Stroud real quick. This is interesting. Stroud scored 18. This is a red alert, red alert. You just can't take a guy like that. All right. This is why I have Stroud as a bust that in conjunction with the fact name one Ohio State quarterback that's ever done it in the league. Well, I got to tell you, that executive's an idiot because you got to base everybody individually. I mean, you just simply do. You can say Ohio State quarterbacks are bust, or you can say Alabama quarterbacks are great, or you can say anything in between, and you're going to get examples. Oh, just stop. See, this is the kind of stupid that the NFL brings us. This is the kind of stupid that the NFL and the media want you to believe. You cannot say, well, you know, an Ohio State quarterback's a bust. Alabama running backs were supposed to be a bust. I don't know, Derrick Henry's pretty good, and I watched that kid Josh Jacobs last night. He doesn't suck. But anyway, this is the kind of stupid we get into. This is why if you really look at executives in the NFL, nine out of ten are morons because they never played. They didn't do anything. So this is what C.J. Stroud had to overcome, and this guy may end up being right. I don't know. We're only five games in, but damn, 1,400 yards. Let me compare that with our guy. Our guy here, Anthony Richardson. I was a little bit surprised by this. Anthony Richardson is only, ladies and gentlemen, has only thrown for 577 yards. Anthony Richardson pretty good, though, in the red zone. He's got four TDs. Anthony Richardson has 136 yards rushing. But I got to tell you, Anthony Richardson, as a professional quarterback, if they keep using him as a running back, is not going to have a five-year career. If they start deciding, hold on here, Anthony Richardson can throw the ball well enough, let him scramble, teach him to get down, run out of bounds, not take on linebackers, and for the love of all things, holy, do not hike, run, crushed, killed, throwing shoulder, out ever again. You did it once ever again. If I'm Anthony Richardson and they call a sweep for me, timeout. Hey, look, coach, I ain't doing it. I, I ain't doing it. It's kind of like this show, right? I got all these things going on with this show, all these different things, but what do I care about the show? It's, it's similar to Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I got all these things. This quarterback trying to – this coordinator trying to be smart. This coach trying – hey, I care about the show. I care about the damn show if I'm Richardson. And the show is Richardson, top three drafted quarterbacks. It's exactly right. Stroud scored 18%. Pretty good. 79%. Richardson, 57%. He's got more yards passing than that. He's got 577. Bryce Young, a genius. He done nothing. Now, here's the deal, though. Here's the deal with Bryce Young. Bryce Young is in a horrendous situation because the ownership, a guy named Tepper of Carolina, got fooled. He got fooled just like Jay Glazier got fooled, just like every media puke in Indianapolis got fooled. They all got fooled because Frank Wright comes off with a history, with a great pedigree. And then he comes off as a great guy, and he is fantastic guy. The kind of guy you want as the head coach of your franchise, except he can't coach. Except he's too nice. He's apologizing again yesterday. I got a text from a 35-year defensive coordinator in the NFL, Frank Reich, apologizing again. Look, you don't appease in coaching. You demand in coaching, and there's a big difference. That's why I like Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is demanding. So let's take the scores. Anthony Richardson, 79%. Anthony Richardson has been hurt basically in every game that he's played in. Anthony Richardson is hell in the red zone. He is. He's hell in the red zone. Short passes, roll them out, threat of the run, spreads the defense. Bryce Young has shown himself to be nothing. Just a guy. But he scored 98% on their smarts test. Hey, I took a marriage test, my wife and I. True story. Catholic Church, we were shown to be totally, completely incompatible. True story. The couple that was our, quote, sponsor in the Catholic Church said, look, I I can't recommend we marry you because of this test. I said, wait a second. I thought you did. Let me do it again. So I retook the test. And I knew the answers that they wanted. So I wrote in all the answers that I knew that they wanted and my wife wanted. All right, I knew this. So then we scored like doubled our score, whatever it was. And next thing you know, oh, you should be married. We were married 22 years. That's enough. That's plenty. My shelf life on stuff is usually 10 years, whether it's coaching, whatever it is. It's usually just 10 years. That's it. But you know what? At the end of the day, these tests are crap. Take the Myers Briggs test. So keep going, CJ Stroud. I'll keep saying I'm wrong because I like what you're doing. Keep going, Anthony Richardson. Keep going, Bryce Young. Hey, I'm all in on all three of you. I don't want anybody to not succeed, but those tests are complete and garbage. All right. There's nothing worse than NFL or college football coach. College football coach dresses up in his suit and tie, talks about it's game week. Men of integrity. We're going to war, the battlefield. They're full of crap. They're money-grubbing, self-important D-bags, 90% of them, and Mark Stoops is no different. Mark Stoops is the coach of Kentucky. Mark Stoops, everybody will tell you, has taken Kentucky to new heights. Ten win season, blah, 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 blah. Mark Stoops yesterday on his radio show, well, Mark Stoops called for disgruntled fans to pony up with donations. Mark Stoops said, "Hey Georgia, Georgia ladies and gentlemen is buying them some good players. If you want us to be better, then you got to pony up. You got to step up. It's a common theme among the stupid that is college football coach. It is. It's a common thing. So we're all supposed to if you are a Kentucky fan, pony up to a man who's making 8 million a year." And listen to this stat. This is the only stat you need to know. In Mark Stoops' tenure as the Kentucky football coach, Mark Stoops and Kentucky football has beaten not one, but a total of two teams, two teams with winning records that finished with winning records in the SEC. Now, I'm going to say that again. Mark Stoops... In all of his years, has been, ladies and gentlemen, has beaten two teams. He's been a coach since November of 2012. Been there 10 years. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years. He's been there. Mark Stoops has had one winning record in the SEC. As the coach of Kentucky, I just lied to you. Two winning records in the SEC in 11 years. This is the 11th. I don't count it. In 10 years as the coach. He's making $8 million. And he wants you to step up. It's you, Big Blue Nation. It's you, Kentucky fans. It's you. And it's your responsibility. Kentucky's got more money than God. Kentucky, all you got to do is drive on 64 across from Louisville to Lexington, and what you're going to see is big old horse farms. Now, I don't know if you know this, but horse farms and coal mines, the owners make a ton of money. I mean, there is money like it's their job. So, Stoops is at his radio show, and he's telling people, you got to step up. Really? How about you step up? How about you get your team in a position where people, I don't know, want to step up? How about you beat a team that, oh, I don't know, has a winning record in the league? Mark Stoops couldn't guard Brock Bauer. Now, let me explain something to you. Georgia's a nice football team. Brock Bauer's the best football player maybe in America. He is. Look it up. He's like the next Gronk. They couldn't guard Brock Bauer. They got two 15-yard penalties out of nowhere, undisciplined. How about Mark Stoops step up? See, here's the deal with football coaches. It's going to be ego. It's always going to be ego. It's always going to be more. The football coach at a major institution, not named Indiana, not named Connecticut, not named Duke, not named Kansas, not named Kentucky, not named North Carolina, but in Kentucky's case and in North Carolina's case, yes, the football coach thinks he runs the university. Do you remember last year, after St. two years ago, when St. Peter's beat Kentucky basketball? The football players the next year into that summer, into that fall, the Will Levis year last year, we're talking all kind of smack. This is a football school, man. You know what they went last year with a first round draft choice, or should have been a first round draft choice? Seven and six, three and five in the SEC. That's a football school. So, next time, at least in Indiana, at least in Indiana, my little school, when Tom Allen talks like that, we just kind of laugh. We're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll all step up. Yeah, here, here's five bucks. Go get yourself a three-star, all-third-team, all-conference linebacker from some small, from Fortville, Indiana. Yeah, I think that'll get it done. Go do that. At least we laugh about it. See, we laugh at our ineptness here at Indiana because it's been so long. Stoops, being a Stoops, is a moron. Now, the other Stoops, I interviewed the other Stoops at... Like, shut up. No, seriously, just shut up. Now, when you've only won two games over teams with winning records in your league, I think it's a little disingenuous to talk about Georgia buying players. This is last. That's the anthem of losing coaches. Well, they're buying players. Well, let me explain something to you. It's legal. You all wanted it you're at the big time. That's what you do. You go give a guy a car. Sanders' kids driving Rolls Royces and showing his watch. It's the world we wanted. What an upside down world, but it's the world we wanted. We wanted kids to have all the money. Give kids money. Kiss the ass of 18 to 23 year olds. We got to. So you can't be at the big time in the SEC, at a school with more money than God, and all of a sudden complain that another school in your league, the big time, the SEC, is buying players. You can't do it. You can, but you look like a moron. Let me go into this. The only two wins that Stoops had, I just saw this, 2017 against South Carolina and 2018 against Florida. Both of those teams were five and three. That's it. Five and three. Now, Stoops was asked about it, and he said, I don't believe that statistic you're saying is right. So then, of course, you know how this goes. You know how this goes. All of a sudden, here it is. It's right here. They showed all the wins of Stoops, and it's beautiful. you got to step up. No, Mark Stoops, you got to step up. This is your program. You're paid eight million dollars. I tell you what, Mark Stoops, you pay me a million a year. I'll go around the state of Kentucky. I'll go around the state of Indiana, Southern Park, because they love Kentucky. I'll raise you two million if you pay me a million. But you got to pay me up front because I don't trust football coaches. I don't trust them for a second. I for damn sure don't trust Kentucky. We had a slogan back at my other uh, my my radio show: "Take a dump in Kentucky." Now people didn't like it. It was a joke, but that's what we feel in Indiana. So Mark Stoops, shut the living hell up. Will you please? Will you just shut up? Jeez! Last about that, how many years are you going to get? Now I want you to think about this. This is his 11th year at Kentucky. He's had two winning seasons in the SEC. He's made millions millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. How many years are you going to get? You yeah, had two 10-win seasons, great. You beat Austin P, Western Kentucky, blah, 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 blah. But how many, win- how many years do you get of mediocrity making millions? I mean millions. Man, you know what Mark Stoops should do? Mark Stoops should genuflect every time he walks into the football building. He should thank the gods above him for giving him that life. Not ask fans to step up. You step up. Fraud. Pisses me off. All right, ladies and gentlemen, who's going to be first? Who's going to be first what, Dan? Who's going to be first to get fired in the NFL? Here's why this is interesting as the head coach. Because there is a name in there as I debated who was first going to be fired. There's a name in there that I thought would never be in there. Say it with me. Come on. Say it with me. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, I'm not sure is first yet. But he's second. Let's go through this, shall we? I got four guys. And actually, one of them got a win last night. But I got four guys, and I'm going to give you a reason for each of them. The The fourth guy. Number four, and I'm only going to say he's fourth because he won last night, Josh McDaniels. Now, I'm screwing up Dylan and Ryan here because I added one this morning and I forgot to send it in. But the fourth guy is Josh McDaniels. Now, here's the deal with McDaniels. If you are the owner, Mark Davis, and by the way, Mark Davis was with some blonde yesterday, who's a guitar player, who I'm sure is going to blow up. But damn, what are women doing with lips these days? Why are we going with the fish? What is all this? I don't understand it. And maybe that's sexist. I don't care. That's not sexist. That's just seeing someone and comment. Didn't didn't say that blonde woman with Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, wasn't a beautiful, handsome woman. But I'm looking at it like, what's with the lips? All of a sudden, I look everywhere. Every woman's got a turned up lip. Or every woman's got these big lips. I guess lips are the thing. Well, they take a little fat from your ass, inject it into the lips, and next thing you know, you look like a blowfish? I don't know. But anyway, Mark Davis last night, that's who he was with. So this woman who has one name, and I'm not going to say her name, because frankly, I think people with one names are idiots if you're not Cher. And by the way, I'm going to the Clay Travis Halloween party, and I may dress up as Cher and my wife as Sonny. It's in the mix. I'm not really big on costume guy, but it's in the mix. By the way, YouTube chat, if you don't mind, give me some costumes that maybe I need. Lee and I are going together. I need a costume or two that, you know what, eh, we thought Sonny and share with me as share her as Sonny. I don't know. Anyway, back to who's getting fired. So Mark Davis has already given an endorsement To Josh McDaniels. And I gotta tell you, if I'm Mark Davis, I've had enough of getting rid of coaches. I've had enough of getting rid of guys. The Gruden thing was a mess. I'm not happy about it. So, you know what? I'm probably not gonna fire Josh McDaniels. But I will say this I would think about it. I would see how this goes because I think McDaniels always, always is in play to get fired. I think he appears to be smug. I think he appears to be not over his head, but he just doesn't appear to be a guy that I want leading my football team. He just doesn't. I'm sorry. He doesn't. Number three, and I got to tell you, I'm putting this guy in there. He could be higher. Frank Reich of the Carolina Panthers. Now you're saying to me, well, he's only been there one year. This is his first year. I mean, how can you fire a guy one year? i give you two words. Momentum. I'll give you two more, more words. Joe, Joe Biden style. O oh, and 5. That's right. I said it. O oh, and 5. And getting worse with the number one pick. And here's the deal. People are starting to catch on what I've been telling you. And that is the dude can't coach blind turkeys to take a dump. The dude is a pleaser. The dude is an acquiescer. The dude is a panderer. And you cannot be a panderer. You cannot be a -er panderer. If you, ladies and gentlemen, are going to coach. If you, ladies and gentlemen, are going to get mucho respect. If you, ladies and gentlemen, are going to quote, to quote Jeff Saturday, lead men. By the way, I heard Saturday this morning on one of those shows. I don't know the name of it, but it's Canty Show. And I had the – when I turned it on, uh, I I couldn't tell who it was. When did Jeff Saturday – ah, never mind. I'm not even going to say it because I'll get in trouble. Then I'll worry about it. But anyway, Jeff – let's put it this way. Jeff Saturday was acting like somebody that he isn't. Let's just put it that way. I digress. (laughs) Anyway. When you go 0-5 and you go 0-6 and you go 0 people start saying, hold on here. They start bringing the back receipts. What are the back receipts? Well, this guy got fired for Jeff Saturday. Now we're starting to see why this guy got fired for Jeff Saturday. Hold on. This guy really wasn't the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles when they went and won the Super Bowl. Hold on. This guy actually isn't the quarterback whisperer that he's made out to be. Wait a second. He had Jacoby Brissett. He didn't make him into anything. He had Carson Wentz. He didn't make him into anything. Huh. Interesting. Matt Ryan was a bust. Huh. Fascinating. That's what happens when you lose. When you lose and you lose momentum – people start looking at what we call in coaching the list. What's the list? Like, I got the list uh, a couple years ago on a, in a hit piece on me. Well, you know, he hangs up on callers. Well, you know, he told a woman he wouldn't go swimming. The list is there for coaches. It's always there. It just is. So you get the list going when you're 0 5. And the list and the momentum has swung. And it ain't swinging in the direction of Frank Reich. If you told me you moved him to number one, I got to tell you, I wouldn't be mad at you. Number two is unbelievable. Bill Belichick. Look, you can say whatever you want. You can say that Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in the history of football. Or you can say Bill Belichick is absolutely nothing without Tom Brady. You can go any way you want. Serious bit, you can go any way you want. Which way do you want to go? The Super Bowls, undeniable. Undeniable. They are absolutely incredible. They're undeniable that you can't do anything about it. There is nothing in there that you can say to take away those Super Bowls. But you can also say, time out here. Did you know, did you know that... (coughs) Bill Belichick's winning percentage without Brady is worse than Joe Philbin's? Did you know it's worse than Bill O'Brien's? Did you know any of this? Of course you did. not That's why I'm here. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I'm here to do what's right. I'm here to establish precedent for you so you can go out the rest of your day and you can wax philosophically. And then here's the other thing. And I don't know whether or not this matters or not, but yesterday, Belichick did a press conference and YouTube is killing us. So we're being very careful about what we show you and what we don't show you. But here's the deal. Yesterday in his press conference, Belichick did his Belichick. I'm starting over. You ever started? Yeah. What does starting over mean? It means we're starting over. Okay, all right. Well, okay. Well, that is all well and good when you're winning. That is all quirky when you're winning. But when you lose by 35 and you've been outscored 70, let me make sure I'm right about this, 72 to 3 in your last two games, the press conference is. Did you know? Did you know Drew Bledsoe was five and thirteen with Belichick? Did you know this? I'm just saying. You know, you guys can sit here and tell me I'm wrong, but if I am Robert Kraft, I'm looking at this, and we told you this was coming. When the divorce hit, this was obvious. We were going to have a scale. Here's the scale: Brady, Belichick. It ain't close. It's like Juanita Jordan getting 150 million. I mean, damn, that's a pretty good settlement in a divorce. Well, it's a fact. So he's number two, and I'm not going to lie to you. That team looks to me like it can't win nothing. It looks to me like it has no shot. Because why? It has no playmakers. So here's what might happen with Belichick. Follow me here. They might. They possibly could say, all right, Bill. We're going to take away the GM. It's too much. You're the greatest coach in the history of football. We're going to have – you're going to have input because you're Bill Belichick. You're going to have all kind of input. We want you helping us buy the groceries. But you ain't doing both. And now, will Belichick quit? You kind of hope he does. I'm sorry, you just do, because the fact of the matter is Bill Belichick's winning percentage without Tom Brady is worse than Joe Philbin's. And that's really all you need to know. Number one, and I know he had a terrific win, but it's to be determined. Matt Eberfluss. Matt Eberfluss is the anti-Chicago. Matt Eberfluss' defense is the Tampa two, sit back. Basically betting teams can't go on 12 to 14 play drives without turning it over. Hopefully, kick a field goal, and then we go. Matt Eberfluss' future is on the shoulders of Justin Fields, who looked all right. He looked all right. But here's the deal with Matt Eberfluss. Matt Eberfluss is selling and has been selling. We're getting close. We're getting close. The Broncos game, they got close. But the fact of the matter is, Matt Eberfluss, ladies and gentlemen, you know what? He is number one. In my opinion, he's got to be number one. In my opinion, he is number one. He's got to be fired if the Bears continue this way because he got no personality. There's no juice to him. But if the Bears, ladies and gentlemen, buck up, then we got a real chance. All right. At some point today, I want to get to my top ten. But when we come back, Armando's going to join us and we're going to talk some NFL. It's a big NFL football day here on The Big Show. Stay right here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $20 on the Steel MS-162 or MS-170 Chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: You know, I just did a rundown. Uh, Armando joins us. I just did a rundown on rookie quarterbacks. And, you know, everybody was all up in arms about the 18% that CJ Stroud got on that test. And maybe ultimately that matters. I don't know, you know. But I know this when you're looking at rookie quarterbacks, our guy keeps getting hurt here at Indy. Bryce Young is struggling under a regime that would make anybody struggle. But CJ Stroud's been damn good, Armando. He has
2: been damn good, Dan, to use your words. Uh, you know, 186 passes to start his career without an interception, which tells me he's way ahead of the mark in recognizing defenses for a young quarterback. He's way ahead of the mark in accuracy. He did that. You got to understand his two starting tackles before this weekend had not played. So he didn't have his left tackle, Laramie dunsell who's a all pro uh he didn't have his right tackle Titus as howard who's very good uh up until this weekend and he was doing it all with with that missing having said that you know it's a small sample size right i mean let's not right. get our or your panties all up in a bunch uh yeah <laughs> and, and decide that he is now a stud. Let's, uh, let's wait a minute before we, we make these decisions.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm with you on that. I, I really am. And I also think this and tell me what you think. I'm watching Jordan love last night. Jordan Love's got like the weight of the world on his shoulders because you know what he, uh, you know, he's got to replace Favre who was replaced by Rodgers. Now he's the next guy in a town that's bigger. Stroud can just go out there and sling it. And in our town, Anthony Richardson is already on the right side of all of us, so he can do no wrong other than he keeps getting hurt. So there are differences in how you can come into a league relaxing and playing. Right.
2: And, you know, you bring up Jordan Love. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to give him the the big excuse of the weight of the world because here's the thing. Okay. This is all – This is only his sixth start, right? So, and he is starting uh, after 30 years of all pro quarterback play by the Green Bay Packers, starting with Brett Favre and carrying on into Aaron Rodgers. I get that. But dude, your team is not expected to do anything this year. You have a young offense. You have a team that's not expected to do anything. Loosen up, baby. I mean, I saw some pretty tight play <laughs> yesterday. Um, that pass that he threw to Christian Watson that ultimately got horse-collared. If he's throwing that, you know, if he can if he gets Watson on on in stride, the Green Bay Packers are winning that game. The the interception that he threw in the end zone later on, that's because he saw him late and underthrew him. And they made the excuse on air. Well, you know, he didn't want to throw it out of the end zone. That's true. But if he'd thrown it earlier, he wouldn't have thrown it out of the end zone. So there's that. Let loose. It's like these young quarterbacks, they're thinking so much. The same with Zach Wilson. Stop thinking. Play.
1: That's the story of my life. Just stop thinking. Look. Let me tell you how dumb that comment was about throwing it out of the end zone. If you're going to miss, you miss in the end zone. You don't miss short. It's like a lob pass in basketball. If you're going to lob a pass to a player, you miss long and high. If you miss short in football, it's an interception. If you miss long, you live to fight another day. A lob pass in basketball, if it's short, invariably is a fast breakdown the other way. I heard that. I thought it was an idiotic statement. You miss long. You do. So you just made my point. He's doing too much thinking. Don't be thinking. And then he's not getting... They're young. Okay? I get
2: it. Uh, It's the reason that Aaron Rodgers last year was frustrated. His wide receivers are young. uh, And he's not. And so... He's playing check chess and they're playing checkers. Uh now what the Packers have is the quarterback and the wide receivers are playing checkers.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know if they're just not any good. All right, let me go this route with you. Um I don't know I don't know if I asked you this before. In the world of the NFL, uh, how happy are people? that Sean Payton with his idiotic comment about another coach is getting it smacked right in the face.
2: (laughs) I would say to you that Sean Payton over his time has, um, has gotten on the wrong side of a few folks. And there's not a lot of crying right now over the fact that he is, (laughs) you know, taking it upside the head, so to speak. Uh, so, (laughs) uh, Look, ultimately, pride cometh before a fall, right? So he ripped Nathaniel Hackett for the job that Nathaniel Hackett did last year. And sure enough, Nathaniel Hackett was not good as a head coach. I'll give you that. But after five games, he was two and three. Sean Payton, after five games, is one and four. (laughs) And uh, Nathaniel Hackett got fired after i think his team gave up either 51 points or 55 points in a in a game last year sean payton has given up 70 points at one point this year so and i'm not saying sean payton's going to be fired right but the only thing that sean payton has done in denver is he's gotten russell wilson to play well russell wilson is playing well he's not the problem everything else is the problem. Everything else.
1: I know. Like, Greenberg the other day, Mike Greenberg said, I've never seen Russell Wilson play worse, and I thought to myself, well, you're not watching. Uh, You're you're not watching, because he was way worse last year. Not only that, I mean, just,
2: if you're even bothering not to watch the games, look at the stats. Right, Uh, He's among the league leaders in, like, almost everything Uh, he's cut down on his interceptions. I know that he had that fumble the other day and the jets picked it up and ran it back and, and sealed the win. Guess what? They were ahead at the time anyway. So there's that. Uh, And maybe if Russell Wilson was getting some protection, he wouldn't get tackled from behind and fumble. My point being that the Denver Broncos have a ton of issues. Um, their coach, maybe speaking out of line, not necessarily one of them, but their coach getting his comeuppance definitely is one of them.
1: Uh, I agree. Speaking of coaches and comeuppance, um, Bill Belichick's press conferences where he grunts and treats everybody like crap were kind of interesting when he was winning. Now that he's getting his brains beat out and he is getting his brains beat out. It's less interesting. I I watched this, uh, and I said this last Monday. Honest to God, Armando, when I watched Belichick's team a week ago get their ass beat, I saw nothing there. And I said the end is here for New England. Now they get beat 34. What's going to happen here? If you had a crystal ball, what's going to happen here with Belichick? Well, uh, let me start with this. Um, Bill Belichick
2: lost by 35 against the Dallas Cowboys right and then this week he lost by 34 so Bill Belichick is doing a great job he's got consistency that's what coaches want consistency (laughs) and so that's what he's got consistency Um, the way I think this plays out is they're not he says that they're going to start over I don't think that they're going to fix anything because you can't turn over the roster in October right so, uh, and by the way, it's Bill Belichick's roster because he has final say on personnel. The way I think this plays out is they're going to be a bad, a pretty bad team the rest of the year. They're going to struggle the rest of the year. Uh, it's not going to get fixed the rest of the year. They're they're a five, six win team at best. It, it And... At the end of the year, him and Robert Kraft are going to have a conversation and the conversation may very well include, uh, you know, we want to go in a different direction. Um, it, It will always be portrayed, whatever the the results of that conversation are, it will always be portrayed as Bill Belichick's decision, because I think the Patriots and Robert Kraft believe he's earned that. But as someone who witnessed Don Shula's uh, exit in Miami, I'm telling you, sometimes great coaches are forced to go, and it's painted as they made the decision, but everyone knows the truth, ultimately.
1: Right, right. Winning solves. Hey, I know you gotta run, I know you're tied up. Thanks, Armando. Uh. Real quick, plug your plug you and Donovan McNabb real quick. Yeah, so we've got a brand-new podcast on
2: uh, Outkick, the coverage in, on YouTube, which, by the way, has 1.5 million subscribers. It's The Five Spot with Donovan McNabb and yours truly, who doesn't get any play, but, you know, second banana me. And please, uh, please subscribe. Please watch it. Uh, a lot of fun stuff and um almost almost as smart a show
1: as you know don't at me almost no it'll be it's smarter it's smarter appreciate you thank you that's our friend that's our friend armando i gotta tell you man uh yeah uh, <laughs> all right why am i laughing why am i laughing Well, I'm laughing because Steve Garvey, Steve Garvey is, uh, yeah, he's running for Senate. He's trying to take Dianne Feinstein's uh, seat. Now, if you don't know who Steve Garvey is, I'll give you a fun fact for Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey was the starting first baseman in the All-Star game as a write-in candidate. Steve Garvey is coming on tomorrow, and I can't wait. Steve Garvey is an interesting dude. Steve Garvey is a dude that played for a long, long time. And I always respected Steve Garvey because Steve Garvey, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, was the most handsome man in America for a long time. Like he was the perfect looking male. And then he played on a Dodgers team where he was the first baseman. Lopes was second. Russell third. Say was short. And then either Jaeger or Ferguson were the catcher. So I was always a big Steve Garvey fan. But I'm telling you, this was so ridiculously cool that he I was just he was one of two, only two players to have started the All-Star game. I was 12 years old and I wrote him in on my ballot. He started the All-Star Game as a write-in. But here's why I'm laughing. Nobody could be looked different more different than Diane Feinstein. Like Steve Garvey is like perpetually young looking and Diane Feinstein needed her face ironed. She died giving votes. She was the ultimate politician. Maybe Garvey was too in locker. Steve Garvey's going to join us tomorrow. Here's Steve Garvey talking about running for Diane Feinstein's seat. Well, I've always said I never took the field for Democrats or Republicans or independents or libertarians. I took the field for all the fans and now I'm running for all the people of California. I think the economy with inflation has caused families to to rethink uh, how they live their daily lives, uh,
0: how they take care of their children. We need to get back to law enforcement, support our law enforcement, and make sure that criminals don't walk through the front door and run out the back door. Uh, We need them prosecuted. We need to invest in the future of our country with our children and get back to core subjects. Uh, Let's get back to a little extra time uh teaching so these kids catch up because the future of this country is in our our youth today
1: there you go man hey i'm in vote garvey in i mean who knows look i don't know if he can win a lot of times very popular ball players run and they lose a lot of times they win steve Largent was a congressman our friend burgess owens congressman i mean hey I'm all in, and I'm looking forward to talking to Steve Garvey, but it just hits me as funny. if anybody was totally different than Diane Feinstein dying in office at 93, being wheeled in I mean about dead to give one last vote because that's what she had to do, and then Steve, Garvey is running. I love it. I do. I absolutely love it, and good. we're going to have him we're going to have him on tomorrow. Uh, you know what? I'm kind of tired of something. I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm a little bit tired of two people in the NFL. I'm tired of Dak Prescott. I'm tired of hearing about Dak Prescott. I'm tired of talking about Dak Prescott. Here's what Dak Prescott had to say after getting their brains beat out by the 49ers. Didn't see it coming. Put everything into this. Got punched in the mouth. Only a couple weeks ago it was humbling against Arizona, but this may be the most humbling game I've ever been a part of. The other guy I'm tired of is Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is like uh, the guy that we had here in Bakwe, who is always on Twitter. Now, Micah Parsons is a much better player than Yannick in Bakwe, but Micah Parsons is like the social media guy. He said, we're as good as the 49ers, man. We're as good as they are. No, you're not. You got your ass kicked. I don't know what to tell you, but that's what happened. So Parsons saying there is good, and this guy saying they didn't see it coming. But I'm tired of both. And somehow, some way, Dallas, which is a nice city, a good city, is like the center of the football universe every week. Mike McCarthy getting fired every day. The offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, is no good. We got to get rid of him. Everybody wants to talk Dak Prescott. Hey, uh, Dylan, I don't know if you and Ryan have that thing ready, but the Dak Prescott cologne was pretty funny. I don't know if we have it, but if we do, don't be afraid to put it up there. Uh, But I'm tired of Dak Prescott. Who isn't? Tired of hearing about Dak Prescott. And what am I doing right now? I'm talking about Dak Prescott. But Micah Parsons, you're part two. I know you're great. I know you're awesome. I know blah, 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 blah. You guys don't do squat in Dallas. You get incredibly overvalued. And I got to tell you, I'm tired of the both of you. Tell you I'm not tired of. I'm, not, I'm tired of his son, but I'm not tired of Deion Sanders. Let me tell you why. Deion Sanders, I talked about this yesterday. Deion Sanders is actually the one coach that isn't afraid to call out his team because he has complete control of his team, and he knows it. He's got what we used to call big-time cools. He's got big-time cools, man. He just walks around. I used to have big-time cools. Now I don't. Now I'm trying to be Pat McAfee with long sleeves. (laughs) But anyway, so here's the effect that Deion Sanders has had on Colorado. Merchandise sales are up 1,220% on Colorado stuff. That's not 100%. That's 1,220%. Out-of-state applications, up 40%. Now, we talk about this all the time. A run in the NCAA tournament, like going back to when Valpo and Bryce Drew, they had like 3,000% increase in people wanting to come to America's finest Lutheran university, Valparaiso. But here it's up 40% ticket revenue up fifth or 14 million dollars compared to last year. This is what I'm saying like you guys get mad at football coaches and their salaries. I mean, think about the money in just those three things that I just mentioned. You got a tangible number in 14 million. Wow. You got t- 2000 or excuse me 1000 220 percent is what the merch is up That's real dollars people. whatever it was last year multiplied by 1220 yeesh listen to this 45 million in earned media thanks to nationally televised game what that basically means is every time they're on TV it's an advertisement. They haven't been on national TV. They haven't been anybody care about them since the days of Cornell Stewart, Michael Westbrook. Nobody cared about them. Now we do. Now big noon kickoff's there a couple times. Now the games are on prime time. The city of Boulder, listen to this. They got $18 million in revenue. The city of Boulder, people coming in, they're staying in hotels, they're having lunch, they're eating dinner, they're buying beer, they're going to the bars, they're ordering wings. It's insanity. This is what I try to tell you, man. A good coach in a good town will bring in their worth. As I always say, like people always say, well, well, coaches aren't worth the money. Sure they are. You don't think Urban Meyer at Florida brought in a hell of a lot more money? than what Billy Napier is? Are you crazy? Of course they are. A player isn't. There may be a player, Johnny Manziel. There may be a player here or a player there. But nobody really, and they should because he's pretty good, nobody's really like, hey, Sanders' kid's really good. We got to watch him. No, this is about Dion and the program he built, is ultimately the winning and losing up to the player? Of course. But the coach set this up big time, and the town bought into it. And you want to know the difference in big-time football? There it is. Jackson, Mississippi did not get the benefits like this of Deion Sanders. Why? It's not big-time football. Big-time football is a mother, man. Big-time football is incredible. When we come back, I'm going to give you my top 10 college football teams. I'm going to start this because I don't think people actually watch. I have literally zero bias. There isn't a football coach that I really like personally. There isn't a foot. Like if urban were coaching, I'd be like, yeah, I'll put him up. Yeah. Indiana stinks. Purdue stinks. Notre Dame hired a player's guy. They can win games. Not when it matters. But I've watched. This is my sport, ladies and gentlemen. It's like my friend Kevin Custer said when baseball season rolled around as we were freshmen. You guys played basketball. This is my sport. So this is my sport, college football. And I'm going to give you my top ten. I'm also going to give you my top five clutch postseason Major League Baseball performances. Because I don't know if you saw what happened last night when Bryce Harper got doubled up. But it was one of the great plays in the history of baseball. Deep drive to right center. Going back. Back, 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 back. back. The Braves. A leaping catch. Michael Harris. The second goes up. He makes the catch. He throws it in. Next thing you know, the relay to first. Bryce Harper double play. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. Harris said, I knew, I knew off the bat, he was going to go close to the fence. So I knew once I went back, I wasn't stopping. I was going to do anything I could to get a glove on it. He leaped, hit the wall, caught it, man. As he caught the ball, Harper was five steps past second base. Now, the manager said, usually, you don't pass the base. You stay in front of it. Make sure it's not caught. But he thought the ball was clearly over his head. I didn't think he was going to catch it. Made a heck of a play. It was thrown into Albies. Albies threw it to second. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. No. No, 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 no. Albies missed it. The third baseman, Riley, got it. Fired the first. Doubled up Harper. And the game was over. And our toes were tapping. They were down four zip. A hell of a game. Baseball's fun this time of year. Crowds are great. Plays are great. We'll be right back. I'm gonna give you my top ten college football. I wanna hear from you. 317-239. No, it's not 317-239. We'll be right back. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers at Outkick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at Outkick.com
0: slash bet.
1: That's it. I gotta take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Hey, I, um, before I get to this, the Indianapolis Star, you want to see how fast things can go south for an athletic department? Indiana used to be, the basketball team, used to be the pillar of what's going on in college basketball, or certainly at the top. And Indiana got really smart. Indiana outsmarted the world, like we're doing here on this show. And they, ladies and gentlemen, fired Bobby Knight, thinking, ah, no problem. Indiana basketball has been to one, well, one elite eight, since that time, has had one team of two teams of national prominence since 2000. Okay. Well, today, a headline in the Indy Star says, Indiana in the top half of the Big Ten coaches poll. Really? Oh, wow. No kidding. If you ever want to know why you don't F with winning ever, ever, you don't F with winning. I don't care who you are. You don't F with winning unless you are 1,000%. 1, 1,000% 1, no. You know that the person and people you are bringing in are going to help you win more. I've said this forever. I don't care if it's the NFL. Last year, the Carolina Panthers had Steve Wilkes, and they almost made the playoffs. Like, he takes over as an interim, they do some good things, and they almost make the playoffs. Well, guess what? He wasn't good enough for them, and they bring in a guy who just got fired for Jeff Saturday, Frank Reich, and oops, they effed with winning. You never eff with winning. So here's Indiana, one of the historically great programs in the history of NCAA basketball, and the headline is Indiana in upper half of the Big Ten. Media poll. So a bunch of slap blanks with cheez-its on their fingers, crumbs on their shirt, dressed poorly because they don't respect their job, voted Indiana in the top half, and that's like an accomplishment. Jesus. What a ridiculous world we live in. What an absurd world we live in. What an asinine world we live in. Don't mess with winning. This show, don't mess with winning. I digress. It's what we do in every area of life. And when you do, when you outsmart things, Indiana, the results ain't great. They just ain't great. All right, I pay attention to college football. I love college football. I find college football to be somewhat boring until the second half. I'm not going to lie to you. I get excited. I wake up on Saturday. I get my coffee. I hang out. Maybe I go for a workout. And then next thing you know, guess what? I'm watching uh, Big Noon Kickoff. I like Big Noon Kickoff. Uh, Game day's fine. McAfee's brought energy. But I don't love that. Do you? I don't know. Maybe I should. Doesn't I don't know. But big noon kickoff with Urban and his segments pretty damn good. All right. So I'm watching. and then the game starts, and I'm like, Yeah, I'm bored. Are we gonna go golfing? What are we gonna do, Lee? You wanna go play pickleball, Lee? And then the second half comes, and then I like it. And then the three thirty or four o'clock game comes, and then I really, really, really like it. I do, because I like the endings. I like fall here. It's getting dark. You guys know what I'm talking about. It starts getting dark as the games are ending. And then you got the night game. And used to be, of course, I would be out clubbing, baby. You know. Well, not anymore. Nah, not no more. I get set up for the evening game. All right. That's my background. And I got to tell you, I can analyze this crap as well as some freaking crazy-ass Heather Dinich. (laughs) Jesus. Number 10. Numero 10, Louisville. Do we not have graphics today? Number 10, Louisville. The Louisville Cardinals. I watched the Louisville Cardinals play. If freaking Notre Dame's supposed to be any good, then Louisville's got to be great. And you all love Notre Dame because they have an African-American coach. They have an African-American coach that, ladies and gentlemen, he's a nice guy. The players like him. Hey, Louisville's 5-0, man. Louisville's pretty damn good. If you watched that game the other day, that Jake Plummer can sling the caca. I'm reading about all of these other teams and their greatness. Like, I think there are some people that would probably still put Notre Dame in front of Louisville. I think they would. I I do. I, I think people would be, well, you know, uh, I don't know. I, 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 you know, did they won? Was it real? No, that was real. That was big time. That was an ass kicking in every area. And here's the deal with that. Louisville, ladies and gentlemen, was outweighed by 30 plus pounds per man on the offensive line. And they pushed Notre Dame around like it was their damn job. They did. They pushed them around like it was their damn job. And anybody thinking that Louisville is anything other than a damn good football team, I don't want to hear about Texas. I don't want to hear about them. They played a good game, but Texas is always going to crap the bed. I know. I got to hear about Sark, and Sark's a great coach, and yeah, maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he is. Oh, but he ain't to me. I got Louisville number 10. Number nine, USC, and that's sad because USC's got a ton of talent. USC's got a bunch of dudes. USC's got a ton, man. And USC's got no defense. There is no D in USC. See what I did there? There is no D in USC. Well, so USC can't guard nobody. Let me give you some numbers. Going back, they gave up 28 to San Jose. 28 to San Jose, Arizona State, 28, Colorado, 41, 41 to Arizona. Now, they played Notre Dame this weekend. This would be a nice chance for uh, Marcus Freeman to get this thing going again. But until USC plays defense, I don't give a damn how good they're supposed to be. They don't guard nobody. Number eight, Penn State. See what I did there? I made it into a rhyme. I'm kind of the M&M of my time old M&M. Number eight, Penn State. Number nine, wait, no D, USC. Anyway, so number eight, Penn State. So Penn State is a good football team. Now, people are going to tell, well, you know, Penn State hasn't beaten anybody. Yeah, well, I got to tell you something. They beat Iowa. Well, Iowa's a joke. No, 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 no. Here's the difference between you and me. You think Iowa's a joke. And their offense stinks and blah, blah. Their offense does stink, 100%. But Iowa's no joke. was like five or six and one. But Penn State beat the crap out of them. And that win means something to me. Penn State beat the crap out of Illinois at Illinois. And that win don't mean much to me, but it means enough. They beat West Virginia. It ain't Penn State's fault that West Virginia stinks. It ain't Penn State's fault that West Virginia is West Virginia. Penn State's a damn good football team. Look at these numbers. 13 points they gave up against Northwestern. Zero against Iowa. 13 against Illinois. I'm not even talking about Dartmouth. 15 uh, against uh, West Virginia. I'm just saying. It's a good football team. Good enough to be in my top ten. Number seven, Alabama Slammer. Alabama's good. Y'all can kiss the backside. Milroe has developed into a good quarterback. They play team. They go on the road, crazy environments, Texas A&M, and they win. Now, let me explain something to you with Alabama. That really doesn't make a difference, but it should. Every game is insane with Alabama. Every game is nuts with Alabama. Every game. They will be forever. And I don't care who they're playing, and I include Georgia in this, a rush-to-field team. They are. They went into that Kyle Stadium, and holy hell, that place was nuts. And here's what I like about Alabama. They got their brains beat out. Their quarterback got benched. Guess what happened? Did he sulk? Did he act a whiner? No. You know what he did? He got better. It's like I love Deion Sanders because he's coaching his team hard. I've always liked Saban or respect him because he coaches his team hard. His discipline is out the door, and he's got idiots slapping women. But I digress. That's just the Alabama way. But the fact of the matter is Alabama, to me, is a team that if I got to play Alabama, I'm like, holy hell. I don't know if I want that action. Now, Oklahoma's number six, and they should be higher. Why? Because they got cojones. They got satchel. That Gabriel kid said, wait a second here. It's the biggest game of the year, the Red River rivalry. The entire nation is watching. It's back and forth, and this Gabriel kid gets the ball, and he's got to go the length of the field against an entire state. See, that's what I like about Texas. Texas, Oklahoma, it's this state against that state. I understand Oklahoma State, people can say they mattered. That's fine. Texas A&M, people can say they matter. That's fine. But they don't matter. I mean, let's be honest. They don't matter. They don't matter. I wish they mattered. I want them to matter. I hope that they matter, but they don't matter. You know they don't matter. I know they don't matter, so they don't matter. Oklahoma matters, Texas matters, and this Gabriel kid said, screw this. And he started putting things on a rope, left-handed, on a rope. Now that tells me he's got satchel. Still not 1,000% in on Brett Venables, but it tells me he's got real satchel. And when you got real satchel, I am all in on you. Oklahoma, that game was a career-defining game for Venables. Everybody can tell you it's not. Venables and his square jaw can tell you, well, we're looking for blah, blah. all the stuff stupid football coaches tell you about. But that football game there was a program and career-defining game because now people believe Venables can win what you need to win at Oklahoma, and that's into the college football playoffs, and that's win a national championship. That's what that game did. That's how big that game is. I would put him higher, but I'm not in love with Texas, and I would put him higher, but I'm not in love with Venables just yet. He's good. He's good. He's good. Number five, Ohio State. Look. I think Ohio State's really good. I think Ohio State will get into the college football playoffs with one loss. I do. I do. Get mad at me, get glad at me, get sad at me. I think they're really good. I think the quarterback shows has shown moxie. When I watch this football team, I think, yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. Being more physical than Notre Dame ain't a great thing. Because Notre Dame's soft as my backside. At least they were against Louisville. Here's the thing with Ohio State, skill, skill, and more skill, and a quarterback that's getting better. It's a little bit like Alabama. You went through some stuff early. Next thing you know, you're playing better. Next thing you know, you get a program-defining win, which I think the Texas A&M game was for that kid at Alabama. I think it's the same thing for this McCord kid. Now, everybody's going to talk about Marvin Harrison, why receivers, see great, but the bottom line is I ain't mad at Ohio State's athletic ability on the defensive side. I ain't mad at it. I think they're very athletic. I think they're very tough. I think their defense is very good, and I think it's a defense under Jim Knowles that's getting better. I thought they were very, very good late against Maryland and Tungavailoa's brother. See, here's the deal, and you got to look at it from a gambling perspective. People were pissed. They were pissed. Ohio State's going to lose. No, they weren't to Maryland because the coach on the other side's an idiot. And they're not going to cover. No, they won by 20. Not only did they win, they covered. Don't at me. Ohio State, number five. Number four, and I'm going quarterbacks here, Bo Nix and Oregon. Bo Nix transferred, and it was a weird transfer. Bo Nix's daddy's dad, the legacy quarterback. Hell, I think he was there when I was there. And Bo Nix right now, if you go by the numbers, he and Michael Penix are the favorite for the Heisman. And oh, by the way, guess what? They play each other this week. Now, look, I know where a lot of us are from Indiana, and a lot of us in Indiana just tolerate football season to get to basketball season. But this Oregon game is big time because you've got arguably the two best quarterbacks in the country going at one another in Knicks and Penix. You can rate them 1-2. You can rate them 2-1. You can rate them however you want. It doesn't matter to me. But let me just give you this. Oregon's defense top-notch. Oregon's defense, here's the deal. They held Fresno to uh, – they started out slow, bad. Knicks was bad early. 31-24 against Fresno. Then they went in and beat Ohio State. Now I'm going no, wait a second. Hold on. I got that wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Delete, delete, delete. Delete, delete, delete. Where am I at? Where am I at? I got this wrong. Delete, delete, delete what I just said. I thought that was wrong. Yeah, because they've crushed everybody. Yeah, they beat the hell out of Portland State. They gave up 30 to Texas Tech, which is weird. 10, 6 to Colorado, 6 to Stanford. Last two games, they've given up 6 points and 6 points. Now, I got to tell you, in my world, Bo Nix just went 27 to 32 for 300 or 290 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions against Stanford. Stanford, again, don't mess with winning, got rid of Coach Shaw, who I love, and guess what? You guys suck, and I hope you lose every game. Yeah, that's true. That's how I feel about it. Anyway, so here's Bo Nix. Always go with the quarterbacks. Right now, Bo Nix, he's 29 years old, 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns, and one interception, a QBR 82, he's 13th in the country. Let me give you these numbers, if you don't mind. Do you mind? I don't think you mind. First off, Bo Nix is 12, thrown for over 12,000 yards. Whoo! That's all you need to know. They're number four. Number five, number three, Washington. Now, let me go back to Indiana fans. You know the name Michael Penix. Michael Penix came to Indiana after not going to Tennessee. Michael Penix at Indiana decided he was going to be great. He was going to beat Honest to God, he was going to beat Penn State and Michigan in the same year. People lost their minds. My God, Michael Penix said, screw Indiana, I'm out. I'm going where I can get some stuff done. Michael Penix kept getting hurt at Indiana. Michael Penix got bigger. Michael Penix got stronger. Michael Penix against Bo Nix, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. Michael Penix in his career has thrown for almost 11,000 yards. It's a great matchup. It's a fantastic matchup. Michael Penix is also completing 75% of his passes. Now, you want to play against Washington, you're going to have to play against Michael Penix. You're going to have to beat Michael Penix. Here's their defense. 19-10, uh, they gave up seven against Michigan State. Cal scored 32, but what the hell, they scored 59. Arizona scored 24, and now it's Oregon. Oregon. Take the over of 75 or whatever it is. But that's number number two team in the country, Michigan. Michigan's a bunch of bad boys. That's all I'm going to say. Michigan's bad boys. Michigan's athletic. The quarterback's good. The wide receivers are fast. But that defense is athletic. That defense looks like an SEC defense. And the number one team in the country, and it ain't even close, in my humble opinion, is Georgia. There are some teams, and I don't do this, I don't say, hey, look, Georgia's number one because until the the king is knocked up. no, no. Georgia's number one because they're the best team in the country. I mean, did you see what they did to Mark Stoops and his Kentucky team? I mean, they came in and beat the living you-know-what out of them. They showed up. They looked around. They said, you think you're good, Kentucky, and we're going to belly you. They belly everybody, and until further notice – still the most a- athletic defensive front, still the most athletic tight end in the world, they're pretty good. Now they're really good, and I enjoy watching them play. All right, let me throw this out to you. You're sitting around. You're minding your own business. You know, you decide, all right, I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to play flag football with my buddies. We used to have a team, the Westminster Warriors, against the Maxwell Meanies. We lived on Westminster. My, bro, my wife, first wife, my sister, she played on the Westminster Warriors. The Maxwell Meanies were my brother, friend of his, his wife. We played tag football after having a bunch of beers and going to the IU football game. It's fun. Now, flag football is going to be an Olympic sport. Let me say that again to you. The IOC will consider adding flag football, baseball, softball, lacrosse, cricket, and squash for the 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles. I baseball, great. Softball should be in there. Lacrosse is getting bigger. Cricket, yeah, United States doesn't have to have all the sports. Squash? I always think it's a rich man's dude that plays it in a cardigan with his, t- with his uh, uh, polo shirt up. Anyway, long story short, flag football? Seriously? Did you know breakdancing is an Olympic sport? True story. Spinning on your head, spinning on your back, spinning on your ass is an Olympic sport. Did you know this? I did, and I can't believe it. Back in the day. In the mid 80s, when my hair was flowing and my sh- was leaping, we would go to the crazy horse. Crazy horse was a popular bar and we would sit up top and below us was a little dance floor and guys and gals used to get on there and break dance. I remember taking my girlfriend Fishnet and my boy KC and we're like, hey, Fishnet, you want to go on a date? Like, yeah, where are we going? Crazy horse. Okay. Custer's coming with us. All right. We'd have beers. We'd sit up top and we would watch people, the frat boys, the locals, whoever breakdancing. It was awesome. It was awesome. I tell people I used to breakdance. It's a lie, but it's one that I liked. And there is, ladies and gentlemen, breakdancing in the Olympics. If you can believe that. All right, the dumbest football thing happened the other day, and it involved the U. Mario Cristobal was brought back to the U, Miami. The U, man. The U. The U rocks. Carl Gables, man. Well, Mario Cristobal had a chance to win a football game. Mario Cristobal had a chance to just simply take a knee. That's all. The math worked out. Take a knee. Take a knee. Take a knee. And guess what? We win the game. Mario Cristobal decided he wasn't going to do that. Mario Cristobal decided, I'm smarter than you. Mario Cristobal decided, hey, look, guess what? I, ladies and gentlemen, are going to run the ball. We're going to hand the ball off. We're going to say, hey, let's not take a knee because, well, we're smarter than that. So Mario Cristobal says, I made the wrong call. I take full ownership and not taking any, giving them the opportunity to have a couple extra plays and prevented us from sealing the win. It was the dumbest coaching decision ever. Now, Shannon Dawson, his first lieutenant and offensive coordinator, said he made the call. Good for Shannon Dawson. Great for Shannon Dawson. What we did at the end was a wrong decision. I called it. It is what it is. I wish we would have done something different, but we didn't. Got to live with it. I'm not going to sit here and go through the process with you guys. What's said on the headsets is between us. Ultimately, I called the play. I can live with it. It was the wrong thing to do. Well, yes, you can live with it because you're not getting your brains beat out every practice. You're not in the weight room, coach, all summer long. You're not running the gassers. You're not having your face in the mud. Players are. Players deserve better. Again, I'm not the biggest I would fire people. I'm not. But I'm also not, well, comfortable with abject stupidity. I try not to have abject stupidity in my life, and I certainly don't want it from people around me, including my children, including a guy that's coaching for me. I wouldn't have it. Now, Cristobal, good for him, I guess, it's falling on the swords, sword, I guess. Now, the players, the players who were on the field in the final 26 seconds when all they had to do was take a knee, said they were in no way responsible. You go through things, and sometimes you're not prepared for things, and sometimes you still have conflict, but family stays together, Lance Gidry says, the defensive coordinator. And that's what we preach around here. Yeah, good. It'll be tested. If I'm a player, I'm like, yo, coach. What's going on, babe? Uh What's happening? Hey, did you see this? Gonzaga, ladies and gentlemen, is being considered for the Big Ten or Big 12. Fascinating. Why is it fascinating, Dan? Two reasons it's fascinating. One, they don't have football. They don't have football. Two, it's a little Catholic school in the Northwest. Now, without football, I get it, Gonzaga They bring in the basketball element of it. Okay, I get all that. We all get all that. It's great. But I don't understand why a Catholic school in the Northwest would want to be in the Big 12 other than, I guess, money. I guess. How big do you want your school to get if you're Gonzaga? You know, that whole donations thing. And I don't know why the Big 12 would want to add a school that isn't adding to their money. I will guarantee you this, though. The Big Ten commissioner is very – our Big 12 commissioner is very smart. The Big 12 might be the best basketball league. And if you add Gonzaga, you are adding to that basketball league. But I'll also guarantee you there is no way in holy hell Gonzaga on a night-to-night basis, year-to-year, can compete in the Big 12 at the level, not even the level, 13 or 14 conference titles in a row. I'm not expecting that when they come into Big 12. I'm betting you right now they can't come in the top three two out of five years. I'm just telling you. I could be wrong, but there's a hell of a big difference between playing conference teams that are at or above your level athletically game after game after game after game. There's a hell of a difference between playing that and playing Gonzaga. Knows they're going to go into San Diego and win by 50. Then maybe they got a tough one on Saturday against St. Mary's, and then they know they're going into Santa Clara, win by 20, and then maybe they got a tough one on Saturday against Duke. There's a hell of a difference. Be careful what you wish for, people. That is a good mantra. That is a very good mantra. Live it, learn it, be it. What have we learned today? Don't F with winning. Don't. Nay, nay. Be careful what you wish for. And of course, there is always no good deed goes unpunished. All right, when we come back, Saquon Barkley gets into it with a fan. But we're not supposed to say he got into it with a fan. I'll tell you why when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Yeah, I'm going to get into Saquon Barkley here in a minute, and it's actually kind of funny because, you know, the almighty player. We must defend the almighty player. But, hey, I'm interested in this, JFK Jr. JFK Jr. is ripped. Like, JFK Jr. should be the president of the United States. He should. No one's going to mess with JFK Jr. I don't think I'm going to vote for JFK Jr., but he has announced that he is running for president as an independent I like it. Let's hear from them. At Hotels and malls on the street, and they remind me that this country is ready
0: for a history making change. They are ready. They are ready to reclaim their freedom, their independence, and, I saw that and, I thought, is that and that's why I'm here today. I'm here to declare myself an independent candidate. Yeah.
1: Hey, lady, put down the sign, would you? Serious business. Come on. But anyway, uh, yeah, you know what? I am all in on it. I think it's awesome. And I think that as we move forward, we need more independent candidates because both of our parties are so jacked up defending only the party and the party line that we need independent candidates and we need somebody that can speak. You know what would be interesting is if we got somebody running for office that spoke English. No, I, I, yeah, didn't speak politician, didn't speak stupid, didn't talk in riddles and didn't put their finger out here. Maybe JFK's that guy. I mean, that's how Donald Trump got elected. He got elected because he spoke plain English to the American people. Now, if Donald Trump would stop being such a whack job with all kind of different things, then maybe he would have gotten reelected. But I'm telling you, it does not matter. It does not matter. Republicans, independents are going to have to figure out to win the real war of elections. That's all I'm going to say. I know we have all these things that we're not supposed to say, but that is one of them. They're going to have to figure out how to win the war. It's a war. It's not a battle. It's a war, and they're going to have to figure that out. All right, Dean Cain, Superman, had to get out of California. Dean Cain said, I got to get out of here, and he ain't wrong. How the hell do you not have to get out of California? Look, I used to love California. I spent an unbelievable week on a guy's couch in Hermosa Beach. What did we do? We drank beers all day, watched the Cubs at 10, and went to a wet t-shirt contest at night. It was glorious. Here's what Dean Cain had to say. It's the most ridiculous large government, incredible taxation, horrible regulation for business, very anti-business, personal income tax is 13%. 13, 13 13.2, whatever it happens to be. The policies are terrible. The fiscal policies, the soft on crime policies, the homeless policies, the things that our leaders in California have been doing have driven out anyone who can really afford to get out. People are flocking out of there in droves. We're getting hit with the highest gas tax in the nation, sales tax, food tax, energy tax, natural gas tax. It's as though they're trying to tax people out of here. Well, I feel you, brother, but voting matters. And you can continue to be a crazy liberal. You can continue to be a crazy liberal state. You can continue to vote these idiots that are currently in office. And this is, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up to the most important election of our lifetimes. You can say whatever you want. People can make fun of me. You're a sports guy. There's not a chance in hell I'm sitting this out. This is singularly the most important, and we'll eff it up, or it'll get effed up for us one way or the other. But Dean Kane ain't wrong, and anybody that has been in California understands right now gas is at $7 in some places. That's like, that's like boat gas. That's like going to the dock gas here. Seven bucks a gallon? Holy cow. Mm. Anyway, he ain't wrong. You should leave. If you haven't left, you will. All right, Saquon Barkley, remember, the almighty player. The almighty player. You can't speak to the almighty player. The almighty player. Well, he's trying to flip the narrative on his heated sideline interaction with a fan on Sunday saying he was talking back to fans who were trash-talking quarterback Daniel Jones. Really? Well, Saquon Barkley, you're a player. You can do no wrong, Saquon. Jackass. I like Saquon. I, I didn't mean that jackass. Stop reaching and trying – at least he said trying, not trying. To make it me uh, me versus fans things, I'm not going to just let – sit there. I don't want that. is. I'm just going to sit there and not say anything while you talk crazy to eight after he just got hurt. Buddy knew he was in the wrong. I love that. Buddy. Buddy knew he was in the wrong. Yeah, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But fans are going to be fans. Players should, honest to God, on the field. Now, let me make this clear. I should just shut up and play guys are giving me gas sitting here. Well, buddy. Okay, buddy. All right, pal. Okay. Well, the truth of the matter is, shut up, quit arguing with fans, and get serious about your craft. Get on the field and just stop. Uh, the world I told you last week, speaking of football, speaking of players and ex-players, the world of NFL, college football, and basketball, analysts in general, has gotten remarkably stupid. It has. The shows that you see in the morning, whether it's Stephen A's show or any show you want, where guys sit there, yell and scream, and act like they have, I don't know, some sense, calling out players as stupid, as trash, garbage, has gotten out of control. And there's nothing going to be done, particularly if an African-American does it. White dude does it. It might be a problem, particularly if he's pointing at an African-American player. The latest idiot is a guy named Dante Whitmer. Dante Whitmer is a player of note. He's a former Pro Bowl. Three-time safety. Here's what Dante Whitmer said about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott sucks, period, Whitmer said on TV. Now, I don't care what he said after that. There's so much talk about Dak Prescott being a top-tier quarterback franchise guy. I don't see it. I see them trying to cover up for what he lacks. That part's great. But for this five-foot-nothing idiot to say Dak Prescott sucks, period, it's just beneath what TV should become. It's just beneath. Look, you want to say, look, I don't think Dak Prescott's very good. I think Dak Prescott is all about talk. I think they talk about him being a top-tier guy. I don't see it, I've watched, I'm a former All-Pro. I just don't see it. Fine. But calling people garbage, trash, he sucks, is beneath what TV should be. Like, I get it, people wanna come at me. Well, you said this. No, I never said that. Not one time ever did I speak like that on a television channel that wasn't this. Not one time did I get on national TV and speak like that about a player or about a coach. I did say one guy was a coward. I said it was a cowardly move to punch a guy in the back after a guy had already been driven past, and I stand by that. It was a cowardly move. It's like I never called players names when I coached. I never said you're able – I said you're playing like a little – you're acting like a little – But I never called them that. And I think what this guy Whitmer did, and again, Whitmer will end up on some idiotic show arguing with another African-American about it. And that's fine. That's the way the world works. But try that as a white dude. Try that one time as a white dude and see how that bad boy goes for you. All right, our crack staff and myself put together five of the greatest, if not the greatest, if not the greatest postseason baseball, which you have to have. Look, in postseason, you gotta have, you gotta have moments. That's why you can tell me of the greatness of Mike Trout, but I ain't buying it. I mean, I think he's fantastic in the regular season, but what does Mike Trout do for me? He gotta do nothing for me. What does he do? I don't oh Tell me. You tell me. Well, here's the deal. The top five, the top five all-time postseason performances, as ranked by us, go like this: Number five, bump it a ba, bump it a bump it a ba, bump it a ba, bump it a bump it a bump Number five, Don Larson's World Series perfect game. Now you could say this is number one in terms of pitching. This is number one in terms of a hey, look. How do we do? It's number one. But guess what? It's number five to us. And I don't even know one of them. I kind of let these guys do the thing. I don't know who Travis Ishikawa is, but I digress. Larson's perfect game is a matter of history. There have only been 18 perfect games in the history of the bigs. Larson's perfect game in the World Series, you can argue, was unbelievable. It really was. And maybe it should be number one, but not to us. David Freeze. David freeze is a dude I like David freeze game six game six for the Cardinals was fantastic and it came at a time it came at a time when the game was played on one channel unbelievable ending in 2011 the game another game was played on another channel unbelievable ending it went back and forth this was game six in the 2000. World Series, all right. David Freeze tied it. Josh Hamilton gave the lead again. Lance Berkman tied it, and Freeze won it a inning later. So Freeze in the eighth tied it. It got untied in the ninth, and Freeze tied it or won it again in the freaking tenth or eleventh. So Freeze tied it late and then won it later. Now that's epic, ladies and gentlemen. That really is. That's uh, outstanding. That's incredible. That's unbelievable that you do that. And David Freeze, to his credit, said, look, I don't want in the Cardinals Hall of Fame because I'm not a Hall of Famer. My body of work was not Hall of Fame. I had a great couple games. I had a great postseason. But it wasn't Hall of Fame. And I don't want in. Period. Travis Ishikawa's NLCS walk off sends the Giants to. Do we not have graphics? Sends the Giants to the World Series. All right. I don't know. I guess that's good. I like Midgey's Grand Slam. I like Midgey's Grand Slam game one of the NLCS. Midgey uh, was a guy named Montero. He had a Grand Slam in Wrigley. I was there. Guess what? Loudest I've ever heard a baseball stadium. It was incredible. I don't know who Travis Ishikawa was, and I'm sure it's a great moment for Giant fans, but hey, screw him. Midgey hit a grand slam. Kyle Hendricks beat the living crap out of Clayton Kershaw to send the Cubs to the World Series. It was me, my brother, my sister, my sister's wife, Sage Steele, and uh, Alex Cora. Hugging, jumping up and down. Cora didn't because he was too cool. Who's the manager of the... the, uh, Uh, Red Sox. I think it's Cora. Anyway, number two, Cubs win the World Series. I'm sorry, but that's number one. That's number one forever. I was sitting at ESPN. I got there as quick as I could to get to the Doubletree Bar. I get to the Doubletree Bar. My buddy Bart Fox had his Cubs jersey on. It was ESPN College Basketball Seminar. I'm sitting there, Foxy had a seat. All the ESPN talent people were in there. I'm watching. And I look around and I'm like, I don't want to watch with these people. The guy Raj Davis hits a home run. And the idiot named, uh, what's her name? She's the coach at Duke, Carol Lawson. Carol Lawson sees us as Cub fans. She's so stupid. She comes up and she goes, oh, that's my boy Raj. We trained the guy. I go, get out of here. So I realized I didn't want to sit around with these people. So I said, hey, barkeep. Give me three beers. I took them up to my room, and I got in a group text with my family, and I got in a group text with my boys from high school, listening to Carol Lawson talk about Raj Davis. Here's Carol Lawson on the set at ESPN. She would say something stupid, and then she would look at you. Anyway, long story short, I went up to my room. I had my beers. I stayed up texting till about 4 in the morning, went to the thing the next day, and I had to listen to Billis. Although I like Billis now. He said nice stuff about me. So I had to listen to other idiots. I didn't even care. You think you cared about a seminar after the Cubs won the World Series after 108 years? I got two words for you. Oh, hell no. I will say this. People don't know this, but Joe Carter winning the 93 World Series with a walk-off home run was pretty good. Joe Carter famously was a first-round draft choice out of Wichita State of the Cubs. Joe Carter came up, and he was pretty good. But the Cubs made a trade. Mel Hall and Joe Carter were sent to the Indians for the great Rick Sutcliffe. Now, hey, look, it worked out well for both. Joe Carter went on to a Hall of Fame career. Mel Hall, I think, had a bunch of arrests. Maybe not. I don't know. He was a good player. Rode, by, rode choppers, as I remember. But Sutcliffe came over and established himself as a legend. Sutcliffe was a good pitcher. But he came over to the Cubs and went 16-1. And in 1984... The Cubs went to the playoffs where Steve freaking Garvey hit an opposite field home run for the Padres. Leon Durham went, let one go through the wickets. And next thing you know, the Cubs with me sitting there naked in my apartment as a senior in college with a bunch of old styles sitting right here, getting ready to dump it on myself and run around the parking lot naked. True story. Uh, Lost. I don't know how I got off that, but back to Joe Carter, he hits a home run I remember where I was. I was in the basement of my neighbor. used to go to my neighbor's house and drink scotch. I never drank scotch before, but I acted like I did, and I always stumbled back home, literally. Anyway, Joe Carter's walk-off home run was an absolute thing of beauty. It was. I got to give it to you. That is pretty damn good. Uh, Speaking of postseason, did you know this? Did you know that Carlos Carrera, who did it in Houston, and now with the Twins. Listen to this. He made postseason history by passing Derek Jeter and David Ortiz in postseason RBIs. Would you have believed that? Like, think about that. Uh, I'm not saying anybody used anything, but all I know is Ortiz was with the Twins next hitting about 15 home runs. Next thing you know, he goes to the Red Sox hitting 50. Jeter would have been a nice player, probably a Carlos Correa type player, had he played in Houston or had he played in Minnesota. But Jeter was in New York. He was the captain. He was stooping everything, and everybody gave him a pass for stooping everything, even in the Me Too movement. Why? Because he seems like a nice guy. He screwed up the Marlins, got out, and now Jeter and Shaq and Barkley and the Mannings have figured out, It's way more fun just to do commercials, make a ton of money, and act like a superstar. But anyway, I would have never guessed Carrera would have passed those two because Carlos Carrera does not get any pub because of where he plays. But he's damn good. He and George Springer, me liking. All right, the other day, there's a guy named Rich Paul. Rich Paul is like one of LeBron's guys. He's this tall, but he knows everything. So Rich Paul is saying that the NBA and the new streaming of the NBA will empower players. Let me tell you something. The NBA is starting. Somebody asked me, what do I think? I said, wake me up when the playoffs come, and we got to listen to a bunch of idiots talk. Holy cow, here in Indiana, we got nice kids, really nice kids. All right? Really nice but they talk. We're going to pick up where we left off. They won like 30 games last year. They talk. And then you got to listen to LeBron. And then you got to listen to NBA reporters. It's exhausting. But this is what Rich Paul says. This disruption is about player empowerment. And player empowerment is about options. I saw all those those takes takes about how damn situation was the end of player empowerment. Come on. Just imagine how things change when each team is going DTC and competing for subscribers. You don't think players are going to have more power if the future is about competing for eyeballs? How much more do we need a LeBron or Draymond when you're playing for subs, not to mention working with them on other content? Maybe. Maybe. But ratings are horrific. They don't have a TV deal. At least here in Indiana, you got to pay extra people don't want to. Going to an NBA game is fun, and maybe Rich Paul is right. I'm sure he is. But I'm going to I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder, does it really matter? Does it really matter? And don't think that every single golden goose stays golden. See boxing. Boxing was the most popular sport in the world at one time. Now, You can't name a heavyweight. You can name Mike Tyson. You can talk about Muhammad Ali. George Foreman has a hell of a grill. But name me one heavyweight boxer that has worldwide cachet. I don't know. Maybe it's the YouTube guys. I don't know. Uh, Dan Orvlaski said something stupid. Dan Orvlaski said that if Mac Jones was on the 49ers, he'd be playing as well as Brock Purdy. Dan Ervlosky has become an idiot. That's all I'll say on that. The betting market, speaking of Brock Purdy, is validating. Did you know that Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, is now tied, tied in the betting market? Listen to this. With Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tungavailoa as MVP. Look at that. Start of the season, plus 3,000. Pre-Cowboys game, plus $1,600. post cowboys game, plus 700 See, this is what I always say. The gambling market is smart. People are stupid. Gambling market is smart. Vegas should seed the NCAA tournament. They should set the matchups in the NCAA tournament. Vegas should do everything because they're smart. There are people, when you deal with people, they, Oh, Purdy's not that good, man. He's not that good, man. Dan Ovlowski, the 49ers, man, would be just as good as Mac Jones. All right. Okay. If you guys say so. But the gambling market is smart. They know the deal. They know what's actual. They know how people think and what is real. And I salute them. I do. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It is time for Walk a dope. what do we got? Oh man. No kidding. Honest to God, the more mean tweets, the better the world is. Here's the deal. What we have going on right now in the world, look, I'm no geopolitical genius. I'm just a guy that pays attention and has always paid attention. I'm just a guy with a little bit of common sense. And what we have going on in the world right now is so ridiculous that it's not funny. It's not funny at all. In fact, it's sad. It's tragic. And it's all because the most powerful, best country in the history of the world doesn't understand who it is. Doesn't understand that this is about us not a few making a ton of money, not pandering to groups. It is about us. It's like George Steinbrenner owning the Yankees. He knew what he had. He didn't give a rats. He made his thing great and was demanding and didn't care about the optics, didn't care about the look. All we do in the United States now is say, that's a bad look. Oh my God, that's such a bad look. We're so, oh my God, your language, language hurts while other countries are bombing, while other countries are setting up for war, while countries are coming in through the southern border to set up cells. We're worried about mansplaining. Don't you mansplain to me. We're worried about hate speech. Oh my God, Riley Gaines is coming to Penn State. Did you see that? Riley Gaines is coming to Penn State. The president of Penn State had to put a video out. I mean, we're the biggest pussy ass nation in the world. And it's time we stop. You see the idiots at Harvard? You see the idiots at all these schools? Oh, we stand. I mean, all I know is I'm seeing little girls get raped, women, naked women being dragged through the streets after being raped, bleeding from the crotch, multiple families dead, and we're going to stand with the people that did it? guys are idiots. And I don't know why we pay attention to them. We need leadership that's strong. We need leadership that's tough. We need leadership that does not pander. And all we have right now is the opposite of that. And we don't have world peace. In fact, we're probably gearing up for World War III. Next. Not another foot of border wall will be constructed during my administration. I'm so far underwater in the polls. Waived 26 federal laws in South Texas to allow for construction of roughly 20 miles of additional border wall. It is amazing. Again, this is the pandering. You're losing. And you guys, all you got to do is follow the money. All you got to do is see that a guy making $172,000 for his entire career, that's the salary that this guy made, can't possibly own two $5 million mansions and all the stuff that this guy owns without doing something. Whether it's insider trading, bribes, payoff, something. I mean, it's just not possible. Follow the money. Follow the money on uh, uh, Pelosi and her net worth. Follow the money on Elizabeth Warren and her net worth. Follow money on any of these guys. Hell, I'm sure Buttigieg. I'm sure any Republican. Follow the money on all these guys. It's all crap. They got to stay in power, so they got to get elected. It's that simple. How do you get elected? You appease. How do you not get elected? You stand out. How do you not get elected? You cause controversy. You say things. You're smart. How do you not get elected? You're a matter of fact. You challenge status quo. But these dudes are all about getting elected. And, it's sad. and I'm telling you, this is the most important election of our lifetime coming up. And if you let these idiots in, I've never believed this before, but I'm starting to believe it now. You're going to see World War III and you're going to see the ruin of the United States as we know it. We're already seeing it. We're giving in to LGTBQ. What are we giving in to that for? Go do your thing. Go have sex with each other. Who gives a sh... I don't care. We're giving in to transgender? Are you crazy? Screw that. Go do your thing. Great. We can give it in to you. Next. Oh, man. Yeah. Mark Twain's a smart dude. Now, back in the day, do you got to look like that to be a smart dude? Politicians and diapers must be changed often. And for the same reason, well, let me give you the reason. First, they both stink. First, there's a lot of shit to them. And you know what? They're worn by babies, I guess. But Mark Twain's not wrong. Man, is he not wrong. God dang, is he right. I'm telling you right now, Mark Twain and that saying, but we don't do that. We don't want to do that. We want to keep in uh, our politicians as long as we can. I, I, look, I A lot of people come at me all the time on Twitter, all the time. And I got to tell you, you can come at me anything you want. You can come at me with hurt. You can come at me with hate. You can come at me with anything you like. But if you come at me with your support, your support of Joe Biden and this regime, good for you. You're just a dumbass. Did you know last thing? And there's a great article up here uh, on OutKick. And by the way, if you want real, you go to OutKick. I mean, if you want nonsense, you go to these other places. David Hookstead has an article. Biden spokesman doubled down on belief that global warming is bigger threat than nuclear war. That's right. Just so you know, 200 million people in North America were expected to die if the Cuban missile crisis had gone nuclear. But these guys who have said glaciers are going to melt, who have said seas are rising, and they said this for years and years and years while they line their pocket from special interests, are actually stupid enough. So that's what the spokesman said. All right. Maybe this is a bigger... Maybe maybe we're all making this thing a bigger deal. Fox's Martha McCollum asked John Kirby, the coordinator for strategic communications at the National Security Council, asked if Biden truly believed that global warming was a bigger threat. He absolutely does, said Kirby. Climate change is an existential threat. It can, you know. It actually threatens and is capable of wiping out all human life on Earth over time. I mean... That's, I don't know how more extension can we get. There you go. All right. Hey, thanks to everybody on the show. Nick, nick too. great work today. Aaron and Gary, thank you. Of course, Dylan and Ryan, you guys are the men. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate everybody on YouTube. Go ahead and put this out, if you don't mind. Retweet it, get it out. Let's get this thing growing like it should be. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful afternoon.